Good morning, folks. Oh, dear. Good. Shall I come back again another time? <laughs> morning, folks. I know what it is. You're all gearing your energy up for the wonderful carol service tonight, aren't you? It's bound to be a slightly subdued morning. Wonderful to see you. Um, I, I'm going to talk from the Bible, but you'll be relieved to know that. Um, but before that, I just wanted to give you a little bit of um, catch-up information. I know you've had a lot of family news. That's the sort of short-term stuff. This is, this is the bigger stuff. Just wanted to um, update you on a couple of things um, just to give you um, some information. The first thing is you may have already seen, if you're sharp-eyed and you read the e-press when it comes out, um, you may have seen that we've, uh, we're about to, we're just going public on an, a job advert for a new member of staff here, an assistant pastor um, we're looking forward to oversee our children's and our youth teams. Uh, primarily, as you know, both Larissa uh, and Paul, uh, who were much loved and um, still much, are still are much loved. Um, <laughs> we didn't stop loving them, even though they moved on from here. <laughs> um, but they did move on, and uh, since that's happened, uh, we've been spending quite a lot of time thinking and praying about how best to fill those gaps and how best to proceed uh, with that. And we're all about empowerment here, and we have fantastic teams. We have a brilliant children's team and some fantastic youth people, and they're, they're, doing a, they're doing a great job. So rather than recruit someone who will come and take their place and do all the kids' ministry or do all the youth ministry, um, we're actually looking for someone who will continue to help, help us continue this great work and help us continue to invest in, uh, in those teams and those leaders and see them grow and build. So we don't have any set ideas at this point about where this person comes from or who they are, um, but we do know the kind of qualities, which is why I've put this job advert out that some of you may have read. And we just wanted you to hear that from us first. Uh, we wanted you to hear that from us rather than uh, from somewhere else. As you know, um, we massively, massively value our children and young people. Uh, we think they're so, so, so important. And so <clears throat> because of that, we just love you to pray with us um, together that God brings the absolute best person. Uh, the, and if you, if you happen to know people who in other places who you think might be interested, do send the details on to them. Uh, I think the closing date's the middle of January. So um, just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And if you have any questions, please do ask us. Um, another thing I want to tell you about, um, just a, quite a significant change uh, to do with our life groups. Can you pop the first slide up for me? As you know, I spoke about this a few weeks ago. Life groups, small groups are a really important part of our church life and possibly the most important part. They're very different from Sundays, but they're equally important. And many of us are in life groups or have been in life groups or have spent time in life groups. And, and when they've worked really well, we've found them to be safe places to be. We've found them to be places where we can grow in confidence and faith, growing relationships. They're really good places to know and to be known. Uh, but the truth is that for significant numbers of us, we found it a bit of a struggle to engage in a life group, and um, particularly over the past year or so. Now, that may be for a whole bunch of different reasons. It may be that there just isn't one near us. Maybe the location doesn't work. It may be that the timing doesn't fit with family life, babysitting, parenting, work life. Uh, it may be that we just find it hard to make a long-term commitment when we don't know how that's going to pan out. And it's kind of, you sort of think, well, I don't know if this is going to be okay. And it's a bit embarrassing to sort of start and then stop. So maybe that's why. Maybe we're just a little bit nervous about going to someone new's house. And that's, that feels a bit daunting when we don't know those people. Uh, maybe it, we were in a great life group and it closed for whatever reason and we haven't managed to find another one. Or maybe we just never got around to it. Well... We're not into condemnation here. We're a grace 
uh, and there's no judgment. Uh, we're a grace, uh, a grace community, but we do think that life groups are really good. Uh, and when they work well, uh, they can be brilliant. And, so, and they're so good, in fact, that we just want to try and help as many people to get connected to and involved in a life group as possible. And for some people, it will be the thing that really helps them connect with Jesus and grow in their faith and become perhaps even more solidly part of the church community. So we've thought about this, and we've prayed about it, and we've discussed it, and we've consulted with several other churches about a number of sort of programs, and we're making some changes. And They're not massive, but they are significant. And we've already talked this through with our leaders, um, and it kicks off in the new year. Well, it kind of kicks off today, actually. Um, but um, we were just wanted to, I just wanted to tell you about what was going on here. So just to be clear, our main reason for these changes... Can I get a... Oh, my uh, controller's not working. There we go. Our main reason for these changes is that so, so that significantly more people will find it easier to join a life group. So if you're currently in a life group, essentially that's not going to change. Okay, there's no reason why you should stop going to the life group that you're currently in. No one is making you move. But for those people who aren't currently in a life group... This will make a significant difference. So just to be really specific, what is happening, what is changing and what's not changing? There are two key things that are changing. And the first one is to do with sign-ups. It's to do with the way that we actually join a group. We are introducing a sign-up period for life groups. And we're going to do that three times a year. Essentially over the holiday season. Okay, so through Christmas, through into the middle of January will be the first one. The next one will be around the Easter time. Um, and the next one will be around the summertime into September. So three times a year, we're going to present to you the opportunity to sign up or re-sign for a life group. And then the commitment is for that term, for that 10 to 12 week block of time. If you, you can join that group for a term, okay, and there is no necess- no, you don't necessarily have to stay. You're welcome to stay if the group carries on, but you don't have to. So therefore, you're signing for a certain amount of time. You're making a commitment for a certain amount of time. Now, some groups will only run for one term. And I'll explain more about that in a minute. But others will continue to run and just run term after term after term. And it's, a, it's the easiest thing in the world just to re-sign. So, yep, stay in there and, um, and continuing. So today what we're doing is we're launching the sign-ups for January. Okay? So we have some bits of paper somewhere. At the back, you can pick up a piece of paper. I won't go into the details now. Um, you can also look on the website. The uh, address is there if you look at winvin.org.uk slash lifegroups. Um, and that will tell you the specifics about which groups are running in January. But from today right through to the 19th of January, you've got about four or five weeks, uh, we've got an opportunity to sign up for one of the life groups for the next time. If you're already in that group, maybe your group leader's already talked to you about this. It's the easiest thing in the world just to re-sign. Or even just tell your group leader and they will sign for you. Um, and the groups will start on that week, the 19th, the week beginning the 19th of January. Okay? Places for each group, realistically, because you can't sign up forever, will be limited to around 20 people, 20 places. Okay? If somebody's got a really big house, they might extend that a bit. Okay? But it is worth just thinking this through and, uh, and getting your name down. Okay? It's really worth engaging with this process, and that's why we're telling you about it now. The second change is not just about how we sign up, but, but the fact that we're going to have more and different groups. So essentially, we're going to have three types of groups. There are general life groups, which are pretty much as they have been before, based on a Bible study or a theme, based on a topic, 
um, or just based on catching up with life as the leaders are appropriate, maybe echoing or reflecting what's been talked about on Sunday. General life groups are largely unchanging. We've also got courses. Now, we've had courses running for a number of weeks, months, years, actually, in this church anyway, um, so there's not really any difference except that we're bringing our courses into line with our life group structure. That's, that's the only difference, really. So you can sign up. M- many people, if they decide that they're going to go on a course, for example, the LAM course, the Love After Marriage course, which is running and kicking off in January again, um, many people decide that if they're going to do that course, they'll probably dip out of life groups because they don't have the time for both. Um, and so that's how this thing's going to work. Okay? So, uh, LAM, cor- sorry, courses are happening. There's an alpha course starting as well uh, on one of the mornings. And then the third type of group, which this is, the, this is the really new bit, and we're piloting some of this, is interest groups or community groups. We're looking specifically at starting groups for people who are, who are looking for a place to invite their friends to come and connect with church can come connect with church people, but perhaps in a way that's a little bit more accessible and easier for them. So it's based around a hobby or an interest. We're experimenting with art groups. Um, there is a, a community service group happening, and there are various other ideas. So um, those are the three different types of groups. Some of those, as I said, will just run for one term, and some will continue to run. What is not changing? It's important. I've told you what's changing, but what isn't changing is that our current life groups aren't changing. They can, and all of our life groups aim to continue to be a real safe place for people to come, for people to be known, be known, to find community. And even though most groups, some groups will only run for one term, most of our general groups will continue to have a lifespan of one, two, three years. Okay? And re-signing is very simple to do. All of our life groups continue to be a place where people grow in relationships and in faith, and when they get to exercise their gifts in an atmosphere of love. All of our life groups continue to be a place where people get to try out a little bit of leadership if if that's what God's got them and help them grow wherever you're at in our safe place. So there are some specific details about what's happening today and you can look on the website and you can uh, pick up a piece of paper today and if you have questions, chat to Chris or Ellie or chat to Joe or I if you want and sign up's open today but they're open for the next five weeks or so. Plenty of time. You can sign up literally on a piece of paper here at the back of church um, or you can sign up online. There's a link on the website and details on the website. And the other thing just to mention at this point is our church app database. Now if you are on our mailing list you will have had an email about this recently. Church app is just a piece of software that we use uh, to to control everybody's control. That's not the right word. To look after everybody's data. Um, And uh, we've recently introduced, Chris has recently emailed everybody and introduced a system whereby you can log on to Church App. You can see what data is visible about you. You can also find out details about the rotor that you're on. And now you'll be able to sign up for a life group, literally just by clicking a couple of buttons. It's as simple as that. So if you haven't yet engaged with the church app process, and you know that's an email sitting in your inbox waiting to happen, um, do, would encourage you to do that. Again, if you've got any questions, see Chris. He answers every technology question anybody ever has. Um, seriously, though, if the thought of technology fills you with fear, don't be afraid. Um, you can sign up on a piece of paper here after Sunday as well. I hope that's clear. Does that make sense? Thank you. If you've got questions, come and see us afterwards. Just really to to restate, we're so excited about this change because, in our real considered and prayerful opinion, it will help many more people connect with our church, connect with Jesus through small groups. 
than currently do. And that's what we're all about. So the practical stuff you know, needs to be said, but the heart of this is that we want everybody to be able to connect with life groups. And we, and we know for a fact that this is a really good way that people can do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to uh, the proper talk. What are you saying? People are fed up listening to my voice. Why don't you just turn and uh, give a greeting to the person next to you and uh, say hello. Um, Chris has just reminded me, we do have some paper copies, but we only have a few. These are for people who are not, who are not really into the online thing. So all the information's online. That's the best place to look. And if you struggle with websites and things, then there are a few paper copies at the back. Okay? So uh, that's the information about life groups. Now to change gear a little bit. Um, as you know, we have been talking about Advent, and uh, each week we have lit... lit some candles. Lighted? Lit? Litten? Alright. We lit a candle for... Lighted. Lit? Lit. Each week we have lit some candles. We lit a candle for hope two weeks ago. And last week we hit a can... Lit? Hit? We ignited a candle. <laughs> For love, and today we're talking about peace. Okay, and uh, we'll come to the rest next time. As you know, we're in the Advent season when Advent means waiting. It doesn't, as my children think, mean chocolate, it means waiting. And uh, we are waiting for Christmas, and in that waiting, we are getting ready to celebrate Jesus coming back, Jesus coming the first time, and Jesus coming back. So we've explored hope. And in the Christmas story, you'll remember that the wise men seeking the truth represented hope. And we've explored love. And last week I talked about Joseph, the father of Jesus, or the stepfather of Jesus, called to sacrificially love a boy that actually wasn't his own. And today we're thinking about peace. And uh, here are some different images I found on peace on the, uh, on the internet. Google image search, an amazing thing. Now I know that all of us have stresses of one kind or another. I wonder if you can just think, what is it that I do to move away from stress or to move away from trouble or problems? What is it that you do when you're feeling all stressed and there's stuff going on? What is it that you physically do? Now, let's be honest. I know what the answer's supposed to be. The answer's supposed to be, well, of course not. I sit and pray and worship God and read my Bible. And that may be true, but I also know that there are other things. What, what do we do? Come on, just shout some out for me. What would you say? Eat. Eat, right? Good. Okay, some people eat to get rid of, to, to move away from stress. What else? Oh, one at a time. Go out for a walk. Nice. Nature. Withdraw. Do exercise. Talk to people. Watch telly. Thank you for the honesty. What did you say over here? We FIFA. We FIFA. Oh, you mean play on the computer games, right? That's, okay. So here's my list uh, of things that I imagine people might do: um, read a book, go on Facebook, glass of wine, chocolate. Um, okay. Different question. What, just think about this one for yourself. What do we do to achieve peace? What do we do to get to a place of peace? Just turn to your neighbour and just tell them, 
what you think a good answer to that might be, or what you do, or what helps you, just to try and connect with and find peace. Now, it could, it could be that some of those answers are the same, but it may not be. What have we got? What really helps you to find peace? Any takers? Anyone going to share something with me? What do we do to find peace? Go for a walk, same answers. What else? Withdraw from the pressure. Soak in the bath. I love that. No, you don't mean that, don't you? You mean soak in the Holy Spirit. That's a good one too. What else? Pray in tongues. Interesting. It's a, uh, you see, I, I deliberately ask those two questions because, you know, the dictionary defines peace as a freedom from disturbance or a freedom from war. And it seems to me that to be defined by something you're not isn't as powerful or strong as to be defined by something that you are. And so while it may be true that peace is an absence of war or an absence of disturbance, it seems to me it's more about a positive state of mind or state of heart. I found three quotes about what peace is. Here's one. This is an unknown quote. It does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. Here's another quote. Peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is, rather than as you are, as you think it should be. And here's one more. To experience peace does not mean that your life is always blissful. It means that you are capable of tapping into a blissful state of mind amidst the normal chaos of a hectic life. They're great quotes, aren't they? They all kind of say the same thing, and here's one more. It's not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. I really believe that peace, ultimately, can be found in the presence of someone who loves us, loves us beyond measure and can be completely trusted with our lives, ultimately in God. And he's defined as the God of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And as you know, a really well-known reading that we often read at Christmas from Isaiah chapter 9, that Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Have you ever said this? All I want is some peace and quiet. Just take the noise away. I quite often say it to my youngest son, actually. <laughs> Just please go and be in a different room if you're going to make that noise. And there's a paradox here, isn't there? Because God is a God of peace, and yet the Bible tells us that God is continually working. I mean, that he never sleeps. Psalm 121 says he is the one who will not sleep and will not slumber because he's constantly watching over us, upholding the universe, upholding our lives. I actually wrote a song about that called My God Never Goes to Sleep to teach my kids that very principle that God, we can go to sleep resting in the knowledge that he doesn't need to. So a very clever and intelligent theologian called Wayne Grudem put it like this. God's peace means that in his being and his actions he is separate from all confusion and disorder 
And yet, he is continually active in innumerable, fully controlled, simultaneous actions. So to be at peace is not to be free from activity, but to be close to God. And sharing in his heart and sharing in his character. No matter how active we are, peace is a state of heart and mind. Now, we can read about peace in the Christmas story. I think it's best reflected in Mary, the mother of Jesus. And here's just three verses from Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. We're going to read this again tonight in a longer passage as part of our carol service. But this, is the, uh, this is from the part in the Bible where an angel, the angel Gabriel, appears to Mary. It's not the full story, but this is just what the angel says. It says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We've sung about that already. I wonder why God chose Mary. The key phrase is right there at the top of this passage, isn't it? Because she found favour with God. This is a simple Jewish girl whose aim in life is to stay close to her God. She's devout, she's praying, she's doing all the right things. I, I reckon she probably already knew something of the peace of God in her heart. This is what a guy called Dan Wilt says about this encounter. He's a, a, a worship leader and teacher from the States. When the angel visited her, Mary, she was ready and waiting for God to use her to do great things. She knew that lasting peace could never come from anyone or anything other than her loving God. This bred in her a constant confidence which was enough to carry her through the days of embarrassment and the social stigma required for her to bear the Son of God for a misunderstanding world. Tom Wright said this about Mary. Mary is, to that extent, the supreme example of what always happens when God is at work by grace through human beings. God's power from outside and the indwelling spirit within together result in things being done which would have been unthinkable any other way. So God achieves amazing miracles by working with a young girl whose heart is at rest, whose heart is close to God and who's basically living at peace and has enough of that inner peace to carry her through the trauma of appearing to be an unmarried mother Actually, not appearing to me, she was an unmarried mother. And all the stigma and all of the, all of the stuff that she's going to get in her culture for that. Whatever's going on in our lives, if we have true peace inside, we too can suffer any trial or fulfill any dangerous mission that God might give us or dream up for us. Because true peace, this is back to Dan Will, is forged in an intimate and ongoing relationship with God. Mary had this most astounding task to do. But she was completely unable to do it. 
because of the inner peace that she possessed, which came from her relationship with God. And it's the same for us. Now, you might think this talk of peace and Christmas is all very nice. But what about peace in the world? This is all a bit cosy, but, but let's get a bit real. We live in the reality of war, of aggression, and of violence. This quote that I found on a website called Learn Peace, which is a sort of pacifist website, says, since the end of the Second World War, there have been 250 major wars in which over 50 million people have been killed, tens of millions made homeless, and countless millions injured and bereaved. That website goes on to say, in the history of warfare, the 20th century stands out as the bloodiest and most brutal. Three times more people have been killed in wars in the last 90 years than in all the previous 500. And the reality is, there is always war going on somewhere in the world. Which is kind of why it's important about what Mark shared earlier. Now there are many complex reasons for war. Often it's significantly linked to development, or lack of development, to the lack of sharing of resources. More often than not, societies break down when they're incapable of meeting the needs of their citizens. And this website, which is not, as far as I can see, coming from any faith standpoint, just coming from a sort of arguing for pacifism, peace standpoint, saying that the lesson that communities, this is what they say, the lesson that the communities of the world have yet to understand fully is that security or peace is not primarily a matter of being prepared militarily. It's not not primarily a matter of military preparedness. Peace cannot be enforced where social and economic conditions fail to sustain it. It must instead be created. They think that's interesting. Even people who don't necessarily purport to follow God or know God are saying that the only way to achieve peace is by doing something active. It's not being reactive, it's being active. If you're building economic conditions and you're creating society and community, even people who do that are reflecting the heart of God. Okay? Taking proactive steps and creating community is reflecting God's heart. Now, over the last couple of years, we've heard increasing stories about what's happening to people of faith all around the world at the hands of horrendous organizations. You've heard all about ISIS in Iraq. They've been in the headlines. But there are actually many examples across the world. I wonder how we react when we think about this God of peace and all this kind of cosy Christmas stuff. I wonder how we react when we hear reports like the reports that we hear. I mean, I've heard reports of Christians being killed and tortured for their faith. I've heard reports of Christian children being beheaded because they refused to convert to Islam. It's not just about Christians, by the way. I've heard reports of people of all different faiths. If I'm honest, when I heard those reports, I found that so hard to take. I kind of partially chose not even to believe it initially because I just thought, I, I, don't, know, I don't even know how to respond to this. Um, and yet I believe it is true. And um, I was watching this week um, this guy. Do you know who this guy is? Canon Andrew Watt. He's on the news and stuff. He's not actually technically a vicar, but they call him the vicar of Baghdad. He's the church leader of a church over there. Um, he, he, a couple of weeks ago, he spoke at another vineyard church, at Trent Vineyard in the UK. He was their guest speaker for um, morning and evening. 
And I just watched the video of that. You can go onto their website, you can watch, the, watch it. And I, if you've got 40 minutes spare, honestly, it's really, really interesting. I expected him to be sad and serious. Because every time I read something that he's written, it comes over as quite sad and serious. Because he's talking in, in reality about what's happening over there. So I've never actually heard him speak properly. Um, I'm watching him on this video. I'm expecting him to be all sad and serious. Tr- truthfully, he was anything but sad and serious. Um, he only preached on two verses, and these were the verses he preached on from Romans. He says, if indeed we share in Christ's sufferings, then we get to share in his glory. That's how it works. We're heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. If we share in his sufferings, then we share in his glory. He, um, he actually thanked the church, the vineyard, the Trent, Trent Vineyard. He said, when all this stuff started to happen, he said to them, you guys were the first people to get in touch. Other people got in touch after you and offered help, but you guys were the first people. You shared in our sufferings, therefore you get to share in the glory of God. And he also talks from uh, verse 18 about how the present sufferings are just not worth, not worth anything when you compare them to the glory that comes. He said this, I may suffer from multiple sclerosis, which he does, and be surrounded by people who are being persecuted all the time, but I'm the happiest person I've ever met. This guy was completely full of joy. He described some horrendous things that have happened to people in his congregation. And then he pointed out that the suffering of this world isn't even worthy to be compared to the glory that is to come. He then cited a story which he'd told the previous week on um, Radio 4's Thought for the Day. I can, uh, those of you who are nodding now, I can see that you're Radio 4 people. Um, anyway, he describes this story, and I listened back on the internet to this story to get, to get the full to get the full thing. Some people visited from the West and the question that they kept saying to him in Iraq was, and his people was, why are you all so happy when you're surrounded by such terror and such war? And he cited a young girl in his congregation. I get the, she was one of his young people, he said. I guess she was a teenager or in her 20s. And she said this, when you've lost everything, God is all you've got left. And we have lost everything. We've lost our freedom, our security, and even the ability to function without continual threats. But we still have God, who is our everything. And Andrew White affirmed, he says this, he said this on that, on that thought for the day. Even in the darkest times, there can be light and hope. And when my spirit needs strengthening, it's often these things that I give thanks for in my prayers. Just going back to his talk at Trent Vineyard, he then got everyone standing up singing some old Pentecostal hymns. It, it was quite funny, actually, to watch, because Trent Vineyard are quite slick and cool and quite together. And he was there going, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. It was quite funny watching their worship band trying to keep up. But, um, but, but what an example. What an example. He said, praising God is what keeps us going. Whatever's happening, Jesus is everything. And then he joked. He said, I've got a bumper sticker on the back of my car. Don't worry, it's going to get worse. (laughs) I mean, what an amazing example. What an amazing example. So how do we get this peace? What about us? 
Because we have specific strength. I mean, we, realistically, probably most of us haven't experienced the kind of things that he has. But this applies to all of us. There are specific stresses. There are things that we carry. Many of us face the reality of difficult, stressful, painful situations every day. Be it in our family, be it in our marriage, be it in our, with our children, or at work, or illness. Maybe we've got elderly parents. Maybe we struggle with loneliness or financial hardship. These troubles are not to be underestimated. And yet, when we connect with the God of peace, we can experience his peace. And if we can become people of peace, then we are carriers of his presence. I was just thinking about what I was saying when we were singing that song this morning. You know, we're singing uh, that we want to change the atmosphere. Well, we can change the atmosphere if we know God's peace in our hearts. That's how we can be the hope on earth. Now, you know, it's a great song, that. I love that song. But that, that last line, you have to think about it, because the truth is Jesus is the hope on earth, and we also can be the hope on earth if we carry Jesus' peace and presence with us. I kind of want to say, we are your church, we are the hope on earth, as long as we've got Jesus' presence with us. Bring your kingdom. I know it's poetic and stuff, and I love that song. But, but that's the reality of it, isn't it? And for me, one of the staple verses of my whole life, the whole of my adult life, has been Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. Just stop there. That's enough. I have to tell myself that so many times. I was telling you last week about my journal and how I wrote this thing in my journal so many times in my life. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm not to be anxious about anything. But instead, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Tell him what's bugging you and then ask for the peace of God to come. And it's a peace that transcends all understanding. In other words, it's a supernatural peace. It's one that we don't get on our own. It's one that we can't understand or fathom because it's supernatural. It goes beyond our understanding. That's the peace that I want. Joe, was, um, Joe was, went off for a quiet day on Friday and um, just went to a sort of retreat, retreat centre. And... Uh, you know, the truth is, it's been quite a busy week, and she was quite stressed. And um, lots of questions, you know, uh, for the last two or three days, I've been waking up, half six, seven o'clock, first thing in the morning. So what are we going to do about X, Y, Z? And I'm just trying to wake up, to be honest. Um, but, but, you know, lots of questions, lots of questions. And she, it's okay, she told me I could say this. Well, she didn't tell me I could say that bit, but she's telling me I could say this bit. Um, having... Connect, having gone to this quiet day with loads and loads of questions and having connected with God on a deep level, she came back completely different. Having experienced a real sense of peace and having not one of her questions answered. But it didn't matter because God was just saying, it's okay, that, it's not about that, it's about this. One of our friends is in a very, very stressful situation with their marriage. It's, it's, really, it's really hard. And they said to us, it's only when I connect with God that I can experience peace. So that's what I want us to think about. And we are going to just celebrate communion at the end of this morning. We're going to do that in just a second. And as we come into communion, which is all about remembering what Jesus has done for us. As we come into communion, it's an opportunity, again, to go back to the Father. Maybe there are things that we 
try to find peace in, in our stuff, in our possessions, in our activities, or maybe just in trying to create a comfortable life. It's a great quote I read from Dan Wilt. He said this, the way to find peace is not to avoid inner turmoil, but to bring it to the one who is called the Prince of Peace. And that's what we're doing in communion this morning. Because he died on the cross for us, he can take our inner turmoil and deal with it. He already did that. He said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. So we're going to go into communion. And if you are uh, helping with communion, I'd love you to come right now. And um, just come to this side and Joe will pass you out the stuff. And just as we do that, I'll just pray. Thank you. That's okay. And I just kind of want to put up one more verse, which is, a, I think it's a blessing, and I want it to be a blessing, and it's this from Romans. And it's, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope and joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we just pray? Here we have bread and we have juice. This represents God's body, Jesus' body, and it represents his blood. And because of what he did for us, we can have eternal peace. So, Father God, we thank you for your body and for your blood. We thank you that you died on the cross. We thank you that when you died, you were broken. Your body was broken and your blood flowed. And we reenact this now symbolically to remember and to give thanks to you. And as we do that, Holy Spirit, would you come and enable us to connect with a deep sense of peace that comes from knowing you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your Work among us in your presence with us already. And may we know your joy and your love and your peace as we celebrate and remember all that you've done for us. Amen. So we have guys around the room. Please just make your way when you're ready. And um, come and uh, take communion. And as soon as we've done that, the band will play and there'll be perhaps a chance for ministry. But do just come and connect with the God of peace this morning. Just let's stand together. Father, thank you for your presence here. Now, already the Spirit is moving and people are just experiencing God's presence. And if that's where you're at, and particularly if you need an encounter with him today, if you need to connect with that peace again, if you need to... If you need someone to stand with you and pray with you, we'd love to do that. So just in a sec, we're just going to finish, sort of finish the service formally. But come, come forward, come to the front and there are people who would love to pray with you. If you are feeling troubled, if you've got stuff and you need to connect with the peace of Jesus, then we would love to pray for you this morning. Now I can see that that's happening all over the room anyway. 
So it may be appropriate just to turn and gently lay a hand on somebody who you're with. Or if you want to respond and come, there's space at the front, you can just come and stand. And we'd love to pray for you. But I'm just going to... I'm just going to thank... Father, thank you that in your death and your resurrection, you gave everything. We don't take that for granted. We don't take that for granted. We're so grateful and we're so thankful. And we pray for your continued peace and presence with us. And Lord, for those particularly who are struggling today, for those who need to sense your peace and just feel that inside, I pray that they would encounter you. I pray that we would know your presence with us. I pray that we would know your presence with us in the midst of our circumstances. And for those for whom that's a really difficult place to be, just come and lay your hand gently on us. And if that's you and you want to respond and you'd love to have someone pray, just come out now. Just come stand down the front and there'll be some people come and pray with you. Let's have some ministry team guys as well. Let's have some ministry folks come and, come and join us. Let's have one or two folks come. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your presence and we bless you. Yes. We pray for your blessing on our carol service. Pray that be a great time, a wonderful time to celebrate. But thank you for your presence here and now in the room. Thank you for your presence with us. And we, I just ask that as we go, we would know your peace. Know this. We continue, we carry this peace with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If there's still time, if you want to respond, if you want to have someone come pray. Can I have one or two folks come out and, um, and pray for people? That'd be great. Thank you. Wonderful. There's time to do that. Otherwise, coffee. The guys will continue to play. Maybe you want to just sit and enjoy the Lord's presence. Bless you guys. We'll see you at the carol service at 7 o'clock tonight. Cheers.